Well, hi everyone, nice to see you. My name's Matthew, if we haven't met before, and I uh, hope you're enjoying being with us. And I know we've got people all the way around the corners and the sides today, so I'll try to remember to look round to the sides where maximizing the space well, we're still social distancing, so that's good. We're squeezing everyone in. Hi to everyone at home as well. Hope you're enjoying being with us today uh, online. It's great to join with you. And isn't it fantastic as well? Technology is amazing, isn't it? Imagine if we had this like lockdown uh, situation, you know, like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something. It'd be so much worse, wouldn't it? It's amazing. Now, I want you to picture something for me, okay? Imagine uh, a scene. Let's have a look. Oh, there we go. Oh, we're, all, we're already there. Imagine a Christmas morning, okay, and um, you've got a little family there, and they're all, like, excited, and maybe it's a young person, and they've, they've got a new phone for Christmas, and so, that you know, they're really excited. So it comes as a surprise, so Christmas morning, they come down, and people are maybe pass out some presents around the tree, and then they open it up, and they're amazed to find this new phone, and they, you know, they turn it on, they set it up within two minutes, and then the first thing that they do, they're so excited, is they FaceTime their like best friend or their cousin who lives, you know, in a, a country, you know, a, across the world, maybe in Australia or something. You know, they face on their cousin in Australia. Oh, what's the time difference? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wake them up in the middle of the night and they FaceTime them. They're really excited, etc. Can you picture that scene? Now, imagine if you wrote all that down. Imagine you were there and you wrote all that down exactly as you saw it, and that like description there. And then imagine if you could somehow give that uh, little description to someone who lived 2,000 years ago, and they read what you had written down, and they were trying to make sense of it. So they were reading this, and first of all, they'd be you know, reading how you all gathered around a tree in your front room. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? And then you try to explain how you have this, like, little, um, like a box with, with glass on it. And when you look into the box with glass, you can speak to someone on the glass who's actually in another country. Imagine someone listening to that who has never heard of a phone before. How would they make sense of that? Could you, could you imagine being in that situation? Now, what we're going to look at today, the passage we're going to look at in, uh, as we continue in our series, we're coming into the last couple of weeks, is a little bit like that, but the other way around. And today we're going to look at the moment that Jesus returns to heaven. And we're going to read what happened. And as we read it, in some ways it could sound a little bit strange, a bit like if you were reading all that time ago about some of the things that we do today, which are completely normal for us. And all those words are, are true, and that's what happened, and that's what you saw. But sometimes, you know, if you're not if you're not there, it's hard to make sense of it. Does that make sense? So it's a little bit like that. But what it says when we read it, what we says, what we discover, it says some really amazing things about Jesus and some really important things for our lives. So we're going to have a look at it together. And as we do as well, I'm going to ask the question, well, why did Jesus go back to heaven after, you know, coming back to life again? You know, why then? Go back to heaven. Why not just stick around and stay on earth? So let's have a little look together. Sophie, if you could follow me with the um, verses, that would be great. So we find this in Acts 1, uh, verses 3 to 11, and it says this. During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
then he skips on. I skip on. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they asked, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken, away, taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And in Luke, uh, the end of the very last, last verse of Luke, because uh, he wrote this as well, but he, he writes in two places. He said, so they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Okay, so what's happening here? Well, just like if you were describing that phone under the Christmas tree, you know, all those words that you've written down are true, and there's what you see and what is happening, but you have to kind of understand what those words mean, right, to really get it, and this similar kind of thing here. So we read here, Jesus going up to heaven in the clouds, and it sounds a bit like, have you ever seen, you know, when a a helium balloon is, um, someone's dropped a helium balloon, and you're just watching it kind of sadly sail away into the distance, like, oh no, Paul, okay, this sounds a little bit like, as if he's, you know, Jesus like floating up into the air, like a helium balloon, and they're straining to see as it goes into the distance, that's what it kind of reads like, and you kind of think to yourself, well, how far up did Jesus go? I mean, you know, did he get out of the atmosphere, or, you know, how did that work? But that's not what, that's not the point of what Luke is describing here, as if, if you got into a spaceship and just kept going and going, eventually you'd kind of reach heaven somehow. People then, they didn't think that heaven was like far away in that sense. And when Luke says that Jesus was taking up into a cloud, we see that throughout the Bible, there's moments when God met with people and his presence appeared as a cloud and it was a visible sign of God's glory and presence meeting with people. So in the Old Testament, you might remember that it was a cloud, a pillar of cloud that guided the Israelites through the wilderness and that they knew God was with them and leading them. Or when Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, it says this in Exodus 24. When Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. Or when Solomon, who is King David's son, built a temple, and it was meant to be a place where people could meet with God and God with people, and it says, you know, when they dedicated the temple, that the glory of God filled the temple in a cloud, and it was so amazing that the the priests who were meant to work there, they couldn't even go in because it was so powerful and amazing. So when it says here about Jesus going up into the cloud, it's describing how Jesus, you know, enters heaven and is like in, enters into God's presence where God dwells, not kind of necessarily, you know, the fluffy clouds of the rain clouds of, that we just get on a normal day. Do you know what I mean? So N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, he says this, most people didn't believe heaven was a long way away. They thought of heaven and earth as interla- overlapping and interlocking spheres of reality. When they talk of Jesus going away into heaven, what they meant that was Jesus was going from our world into God's world, but that wasn't a long way away. The significance of that is that God's world can touch any point of our world. So that's kind of the first bit. But also, when it talks about like Jesus going up and how Jesus was lifting up into the cloud, that going up is actually important as well, and that, that means something. So 
in this moment of Jesus going, where he says he goes up into the cloud, and they're watching him going up, is talking about how Jesus, this is his like, how Jesus is enthroned, the moment that we see how Jesus is king of heaven and earth, and it's like Jesus' coronation. So the queen's coronation, let's have a look here, the queen's coronation, which was, oh, I've, I've forgotten now, I've forgotten the date, but it was a long time ago, and she's been doing it for a while, and it was one of the first major, like, televised events. I think 20 million people watched this, and this is one of the things that they say made uh, television almost, like, go mainstream from just, like, you know, a few people to then suddenly television became, wow, everyone's a TV, and so everyone was watching it, and this is now, people are, like, watching Jesus's coronation as he's lifted up and in fact, do you remember the moment when Jesus was on trial before the religious leaders and they were asking him, are you the son of God? And they didn't really want to know. They just wanted to get rid of him. And, and the high priest said, you know, tell me under oath, are you the son of God? And Jesus said, you have said it. And then it's almost like he says, and this will be the proof. You have said it and this is how you will know. In the future, you will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, seated in place, in the place of power, at God's right hand, and coming on the clouds of heaven. And Jesus here is quoted in the Old Testament as well, in a prophecy about things that Jesus would do. So, Jesus being lifted into heaven, in the cloud coming, and this moment happening, for any of his followers who were still confused about what on earth is happening with Jesus? Like, who is, who is this man? And what the heck is happening? Because their world was turned upside down. For anyone who was still confused, and it even says, you know, some of them, they saw Jesus alive, but they still doubted. It's so much to wrap your head around. So for any of them who still weren't sure, when they saw this happening now, they would know for sure. There is no doubt who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God and has gone back into heaven to be at God's right hand as a man and they would know wow this is amazing and I'm sure it was powerful as well if you're watching it I'm sure it was powerful and no wonder they were staring at what they were seeing like have you ever been to an amazing fireworks display and you know it's going going and then sometimes there's almost like a little dip in the fireworks display you think oh is it coming to an end and then it suddenly goes off again and then the moment when it actually finishes and you have the big finale everyone just pauses for a little bit don't they because no one's sure is that it is there going to be more is that the end and there'll be a little pause and then everyone claps have you experienced that before so I'm sure this is what wow this is amazing what's going to happen next and then oh no okay he's he's gone he's he's gone back into heaven okay wow that that was something so they would really understand now okay also if you were you know the these would have been Jews who were following Jesus and here at that moment. But also, if you were a Roman, if you were a Gentile, if you weren't a Jew, and so you didn't know about maybe the stories of God appearing in the cloud and the Old Testament, but if you read this or you heard about this, you would understand what was happening as well. Because in the Roman world, the emperors, Caesar, they claimed that they were divine. They claimed that they were sons of God and that they were bringing peace to the world. And obviously their version of peace was just that they would get their army and they would go and conquer somewhere and they wanted to make the world Roman and through violence and oppression they were supposedly bringing peace to the world. And most people lived in terrible conditions under the oppression of the, you know, the Roman military might and just a few privileged people at the top might experience the benefit of this peace. 
So if you were a Roman, and also part of the like emperor's propaganda, if you like, is that they would say that when one of the emperors died, that their spirit would ascend into heaven and they would be made divine. So if you lived in the Roman world and you're hearing or reading about a man called Jesus who was crucified by the Romans, who had the most brutal punishment that they give to people, it was crucified by the Romans, and yet came back to life and then went into heaven, not as a spirit, but as a man, a man who went back into heaven, having come back to life with a body, made whole and new and restored, going back into heaven, you would be like, wow, this Jesus is even greater than Caesar. And Caesar, he was the ruler of the known world. You know, he, that's who he was. He was the king of the world, effectively. And you would realize, wow, this Jesus is even greater than the king of the world. He is, in fact, the king of the world, the king of heaven and earth. And you would understand what this means. And how amazing to think that Jesus is, in fact, king of the heaven and the earth, that he is like the ultimate ruler. Because what type of ruler is Jesus? How does Jesus rule compared to someone like Caesar? Well, in Matthew 20, do you remember the time when Jesus said this? Let's have a look. Here we go. He said, you know the rulers in this world. They lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is not just a king, but he's a savior, and he's a friend, and he was a servant who gave his life for us, because God loves people, and God loves you, and you are important to God. And we were created for relationship and friendship with God. That's what God desires for every single person to know. And that was God's desire for humanity all the way at the beginning, that we would be God's friends, we'd be in relationship with him. And he gave people power and authority on the earth. And he gave them a job on the earth to extend God's love and God's rule and God's reign across the earth and bring all the good things that God had for his creation into the world. But obviously we read in the Bible how humanity rejected God and they rebelled, and they thought, like, in fact, in fact, it's almost like, I want to be God instead, and I want to do it my own way, and they rebelled, and that's what the Bible calls sin, and sin came into the world, and when sin entered the world, it's so destructive, and it enslaves, and it's led to this broken world that we are in today, and that we experience today, and that we all, you know, we all know what that's like, but God, he did not give up on people but he came into the world himself as a man. He wanted to rescue the world, rescue his creation, and rescue people and restore our relationship to one another. And that's why he came into the world as a man called Jesus. And when Jesus lived, he lived a perfect life. He never gave in to sin. He never gave in to temptation. And he lived out of a perfect relationship with God. And so when Jesus died and suffered the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of humanity where people killed Jesus. And Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, was killed as a man. But because he was always connected with God, because he had a perfect relationship with God, because he'd never given in to sin and the brokenness of our world, when he was killed as a man, death itself, it, could, it had no power over him because he hadn't succumbed to it in any way, so it had no power over him. So Jesus, he 
broke the power of death and was raised to life again. And so now a man came back to life, was raised to life with God, and in doing so, restored humanity to how God intended it to be in the first place. And he rescued humanity from the power of sin and death. He did what no other man could do. And that's how Jesus was able to step back into heaven as a man, fully God and fully man. And now there's a man in heaven called Jesus Christ who is also God, is at God's right hand, who loves us and welcomes us into relationship with God when we put our trust in him. But it's not something that we just wait for, but it's something that we experience in our lives today. And Jesus says that one day he is going to return. He'll return from heaven to earth and he will fully restore the world and all will be put right and all wrong will be judged and all the world will be made new and restored and the things of heaven and earth will come back together and it will be amazing. So, as we can see, when Jesus returns to heaven, there's a lot happening and there's a lot going on there and I just want to highlight in this last little bit two really important things for us that we can, um, there's loads we could talk about, but I just want to highlight two things for us from this story about how it happens. And the first one is this. When Jesus, ret- here we go, thanks John. When Jesus returns to heaven, it means that he can be present with us wherever we are and wherever we go. So the other day, I think Friday last week, um, I got a text off a friend saying that the Swansea NHS, the Bay Clinic, had just put out on Facebook that they had a load of vaccines left over and they were doing a, a drop-in till seven o'clock, I think it was about five o'clock, and I'd seen it maybe 10 minutes after it came out, for anyone who can get down there, first come, first serve. So I haven't had my vaccine yet, so I jumped in the car and drove straight to the Swansea Bay Clinic down Fabian Way. Well, when I got halfway, this was maybe 15, 20 minutes after the announcement had gone out, I don't know, maybe maybe a bit longer. As I got halfway along Fabian Way, already the, the queues of traffic were forming, and it was like, you could just, you know, when you could just see all the way down the road. And so I'm, you know, we're creeping up, we're creeping up, we're creeping up. And, you know, I think I got till seven o'clock. It's quarter to six. I got an hour and 15 minutes. Come on, let's get there. We were creeping up, creeping up. Then you get to the moment where, you know, when like a whole, there'd be a whole family of cars, like the dad would be going, you go, you go, I'll stay, you know, you go. And it's like, it's like a, an apocalyptic movie or something. Do you know what I mean? You got people abandoning their cars and, you know, all the, all the family getting out and running down the road and the dad just staying behind. I'll sacrifice myself, you go get your vaccines and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, creeping up, creeping up. Anyway, it gets to about, I don't know, quarter past six and I'm still way, I'm getting to the roundabout. I'm, I can see so many cars. I, said, I rang Precious, hands-free, and I said, um, oh, just have a check, see if there's any more announcements. And sure enough, at six o'clock, they'd said, like, don't come anymore, all the vaccines have gone. You know, they were inundated. And so, you know, I came all the But the, you know when you're in a queue and you know you have to get to the end of the queue before you can get out of the queue. So I still had to go all the way around, round the roundabout, come all the way back. And as I'm driving away, there's still the queue is still forming of people who don't know. And you feel, oh, I feel sorry for you. But hey, I'm on my way home. So that was just for a vaccine, right? Now, when Jesus came into the world, God himself came into the world as a man. And so Jesus limited himself to become a man. And obviously, God is spirit and is everywhere. But Jesus was in one place at one time. And when we read about what happened with Jesus, we see how crowds would run to meet him. And sometimes it was overwhelming the crowds. There was this one moment in Mark 6 uh, where Jesus had just heard that his cousin had been killed. And he said to his disciples, it says this, he said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. 
And it says he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I mean, it was, you know, crazy sometimes. Now, could you imagine if after Jesus' resurrection, if Jesus just stayed to do it all by himself? And obviously, you know, this is 2,000 years ago, so he couldn't just like Facebook Live to the whole world. Could you imagine if, you know, Jesus was going to, what, travel around every single town and country and place one by one by one for like the, you know, next thousands and thousands of years? Or for any one of us, you know, if we heard about Jesus and we wanted to put our faith in him, um, but the only way to connect with him personally and to experience him in a personal way in our lives rather than just what we heard was to go and and meet with him personally, one-to-one, like we would be queuing for weeks, for months, for days, for years to get our five-minute moment with Jesus, right? The whole world would be doing it. So that just, you know, wouldn't work. So Jesus, in returning to heaven, still as a man, but he stepped out of the limitations of our world and into heaven. And now, Jesus, it means that he is present with all of us, every place, every time, wherever we are, in it and th- in and through the Holy Spirit. So when we follow Jesus and we choose to follow him, we welcome him into our lives. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, who is God, and the power and the presence of Jesus comes to live within us. And when Jesus was telling his disciples he was going to return to heaven, they were anxious about it at first. But Jesus says to them, it's better that I go. In John 16, if you put it up for me, Fee, if it's working, it says this. Jesus said to them, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it's best for you that I go, because if I don't, the advocate won't come, and if I do go away, then I will send him to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot recognize him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and na- lives with you now and later will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And this word advocate, as I was saying a couple of weeks ago, is the one that Jesus uses here to describe the Holy Spirit. And it means one who comes alongside, one who walks alongside. And that's the promise that Jesus has for every single one of us, that he will never abandon us, but that he is close. And I'm so glad in my life when there's been times of challenge, times of worry, times of difficulty, when I've been anxious about something, or when I've needed wisdom for something, or when I've, you know, when I've messed up, and, you know, I've fallen out with someone, or I've done something, and, and I need, and I need to say sorry to them, and I say, ask God to forgive me, and I need wisdom to sort something out, or times when I need a miracle, when I need a miracle, and I haven't had to join a queue to try and get an appointment with Jesus, I mean, have you tried to get an appointment on a Monday morning at the doctor's, you know? But instead, I can just turn to him straight away and call out to him. I know that he is close and that he hears. And not only that he hears, but that he has power to make a difference and to answer and to move in our lives. I remember when I was in my first term at university, and um, obviously, yeah, obviously moved down to Exeter, but I was having a problem with whiz- my wisdom teeth, and I had to come home numerous times in that first term, and eventually I had like one or two of them out, but they were in like a really awkward place, so 
the, the, doc, the dentist said, oh, you know, a couple of days recovery. Well, like for three weeks, I had this like golf ball. It looked like on the side of my mouth. And I missed like a whole chunk. And it really like disrupted that first term, you know, when you want to be like settling in and making friends. And, it made, you know, it made it difficult. And I remember one time coming back to uni and I found that like all of my friends had already sorted out their houses for next year while I was away. And I had, was going to have no one to live with. And, you know, you're already put with, like, strangers in your first term, aren't you? And, and so I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And, you know, for a few weeks, I was trying to sort it out. And there was just, I, no, one, no one that I thought I knew had space left. And I was like, oh, no, I, like, I literally don't know what I'm going to do. And I was, you know, I was worried about it. I remember one time just sitting in my room, and I actually had a shared room. I think my housemate had gone to a lecture. So sitting in my room and just praying and saying, you know, Jesus, I just don't know what to do. Like, will you help me? and help me know what to do. And I, even as I was praying, I remember feeling God's presence with me and that assurance and that peace that I did not need to be afraid. And then also, I suddenly got this urge. You know when you get like an urge to do something? I got this urge to go to this event that I just like heard about. And it, it wasn't like a society, a group that I was a part of. I wasn't planning to go. It was like a pub the other side of the city, like a half hour walk. So I, I didn't know if I was going to know anyone there. I, but, you know, you just, I'd just seen on Facebook or something, you just heard about it. I had this, suddenly, I should, that I should go to this. And I was like, oh, do I want to? But anyway, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to go. So I walked across the city, walked in. I didn't know who was going to be there. Like, walked into this Weatherspoons. And then, you know, when you're, like, looking around, and you're like, what am I doing here? And then on the side was actually one of the lads who lived in, like, kind of the halls over the road from me, a real nice guy called Ben and another guy called Matt, who, who I did know. And they called out to me and said, oh, you know, Matt, come on over. So I came on over, I was chatting with them, and it was those two and two girls. They were all friends on their same course. And they were chatting, how's things going? And some, oh, I've been having a wisdom teeth out, et cetera, just chatting. And they said, oh, we've just been, um, we've just decided the four of us are going to live together next year. We've just been chatting about what type of house we want to get. And they said, oh, who are you living with next year? And I was like, oh, to be honest, I haven't been able to, because I've been away, you know, I haven't been able to sort anything. I, I don't have, you know, anything yet. And they said, well, why don't you come and live with us? I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and I did. And it was amazing. And we had a brilliant time. And we stayed, you know, we had such a great time. We stayed together for the next two years. And it was such an amazing answer to prayer. And it was something I was so worried about. And I couldn't see a way out. I was so glad I could just turn to Jesus in prayer. And that he hears and he answers because he's with us and he cares about our lives. And there may be some of us here today where, you know, we're in that kind of situation and we just, we need Jesus' help. And I just want to take a pause here, even though I haven't quite finished, but I'm nearly there. Just want to take a pause and just to pray. And if you're in that situation right now, I want to encourage you to pray and know that Jesus hears, that Jesus answers, and that he has power to make a difference in our lives. So why don't we just pray for a moment? And if that's you and you need that help, I just want to encourage you just to, in your own heart and mind, where you can just whisper it, and ask Jesus right now for that help in that situation. Jesus, I thank you that you are alive and that you are with us and that you care about us, that you have wisdom for our lives, that you answer prayer. And so for anyone right now is in a stuck situation or is anxious or worried or can't see your way out, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come to them with your power? Would you bring them peace? Would you bring your assurance that you are with them? 
Would you pour out your wisdom? Would you answer prayers, Lord, and make a way where there is no way? In Jesus' name, amen. So each of us today, we can know that Jesus is with us, that he is for you, that he is with you, that we can know him close in our lives. But obviously as well, this isn't just something for us personally to enjoy and to experience, but even as we were praying this morning, that song that Beth sang where it said, you know, fill me with your love and lead me into the world to show your love to those around me. That Jesus' plan, the second thing for us, we put that on for me feet, Jesus' plan is that we would share this good news about Jesus across the world, wherever we are and wherever place that we turn up. So rather than one Jesus and everyone has to queue up to see him, but instead Christians everywhere, empowered by the Holy Spirit, with Jesus with them, would carry God's love and goodness and power and plans and purpose into the world through what they say and how they live and doing the things that Jesus did. And all through this series, we've seen how Jesus trained and multiplied his followers to do the things that Jesus did. That was his plan all along, that we could share and show that these things are for each and every person, and that eternal life, freedom, forgiveness, relationship with God is available through Jesus. So Jesus said this to his followers in John chapter 14. He said this, if you put it up for me, Fee, thank you. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Because I'm going to be with the Father. It was Jesus' plan all along that his followers would do the things that Jesus did because he was gonna be with the Father and he would empower us wherever we go. And in Acts 1, as we read earlier, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And isn't it amazing that what Jesus said 2,000 years ago has come true, because here we are 2,000 years later, sitting together in Swansea, the other side of the world, experiencing and hearing about Jesus, because people have done this all through the ages, and that includes us. We are part of that. Now it's our turn to play our part. Isn't that amazing that we get to do that? But do you find sometimes you think, but how? But how can I do that? You know, how does that work? How do, how do I do the things that Jesus did? It's now, if you think that, okay, think what it was like for the disciples and the followers when Jesus first went back to heaven. I mean, there's been amazing being around Jesus and following him and doing what he does, and then suddenly you see him go back to heaven. They must have been thinking, what do we do now? What do we do now? It reminds me of, I was chatting with a head teacher last year and he had just had his first child. And he said when him and his wife, they like, he said he drove at like five miles an hour home from the hospital and then they got home and, they were, and he was just, what do we do now? We got a baby in our house. I got no idea what to do. I don't know what that's like, but anyway. Um, what do you do now? Now, the first follower of Jesus, they must have felt like this. But then what happened when, as Jesus promised, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they knew that Jesus was with them and he filled them with power and they went out and did their day-to-day -day life in the different places that they were, they began to do the things that Jesus did as they went about every single day. They loved their neighbor. They put others first. They cared for the poor and shared their resources they reached across divides where people wouldn't associate before. They reached out and welcomed. And they shared about what Jesus had done in their life. 
and they prayed for the sick and saw people healed and they discovered that what Jesus said, that Jesus' power and his presence really was with them as they just went out and did it in their ordinary day. And that's the same for us too. Each day, we can see ourselves going into the world, going into the place where we are, whether it's university or school or just down to the shops or into work, and we can see Jesus, help me to live for you today. Help me today to do the things that you did. Bring the things that you want through me to the people around me today, the small things and sometimes the big things. I love one of the stories, one of my favorite stories is, is Tammy, when Tammy, you were driving in the car, and I think maybe picking up the boys, and you had your friend next to you in the car, uh, both picking up the lads, and um, she started complaining about her neck, and how she had a really bad neck, and a really bad back, and she was in pain. And so when you got to the red light, you turned to your friend, and you said, well, you know, you know, I go to church, you know, I'm a Christian, and we often pray for people in our church, and we've seen loads of people healed when we prayed, because just like Jesus healed people in the Bible, we believe Jesus is alive, and he heals people today. I don't know if that's exactly what you said, Tammy, but something like that, isn't it? As long as you, you know, before the red light goes to amber. And he said, can I pray for you? And your friend said, yes, sure. So at the red light, one eye on the road, one hand on the wheel, one hand on your friend, prayed, in the name of Jesus, I command this back pain and neck pain to go, amen. How is it now? And your friend moved around and all the pain was gone and she was amazed and she was healed and began to talk about it. And it's just every day, everyday situation, driving in the car, but responding and being open and doing the things that Jesus did. And that's something that each and every single one of us can do as we go out from here in our normal everyday lives because Jesus is with us and he's empowered us by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us, a bit like Chloe was saying this morning, now that you know, lockdown is increasingly easing and we're going back you know, and we can see more people and interact more, I'd encourage us to pray each day and say, Jesus, what do you want to do with me today? I thank you that you're with me. Empower me by the Holy Spirit and help me as I go to bring your goodness into the world with the people that I meet and the places I am. And just like the early disciples did, and just like Tammy did, be ready and open to do the things that Jesus did, to share our faith, to pray, to lend a hand, to forgive, to encourage, to reach across and see God do amazing things through us in ordinary ways. So before we finish, shall we just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us again with his power, ready for all the things he wants to do with us this week. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us, that you are alive, that you have rescued us. And we thank you that you want to bring your goodness into the world so that every single person would know that you love them and they are important to you. So Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come and fill us now again with your power? Would you equip us so that as we go about our days, we would be ready to do the things that Jesus did and to bring your love into the world wherever we are. So come Holy Spirit, empower us now, I pray. We welcome you. Amen. Great, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone at home. See you again soon. Back to you, Clown.